What's up, everybody? This is the Canes Insight Podcast brought to you by Caneswear. I am your host, D-Money. We have a special, special guest, Canes Insight legend, man who made Gary Furman say, who is Cribby? Had Barry Jackson wonder what's going on. All the scoops coming from one man on the canesinsight.com message boards. The one, the only, Cribby. How you doing? I'm doing fine, man. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I was doing better before this mic busted. My wife was trying to redecorate the house and messed up the mic. You didn't realize that the millions and millions of Canes Insight fans, you know, would, would be would be hurt by that. Worried about things like how the kitchen looks and the room and everything like that. Missed the important things. So uh, if I'm sounding a little a little gritty, uh, we'll get that fixed next week. But awesome to have you on. You know, for those who don't know, Cribby is a Legend on the boards, get stuff before anybody I know from texting with him. You know, he's on top of things uh, two steps before they happen. Um, just a humble man from from north central Florida, uh, but he's, get, he's getting the goods. So a lot of stuff happening. Wanted to get Cribs thoughts. Um, new linebacker coach Derek Nicholson, we'll talk about that. New running back coach Tim Harris, a familiar name to people in Florida. And we'll touch on some – you know, other aspects of the OC and DC hires I think you'll like and get into some spring practice. Uh, but first, Crib, let's talk about this this running back coach, Tim Harris. Um, kind of unusual resume for a position coach. Not 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 your normal just lifetime running back coach, right? No, he actually has some X and experience going back to Booker T. Washington where he's the offensive coordinator and then the uh, future head coach. But even at FIU, he was next in line. He had been promoted to a uh, play caller before he left. On the board, I said he had play calling experience, but that was inaccurate. Uh, he left and went to Central Florida before he uh, started calling plays at FIU. Yeah, I remember watching – He was when he was the offensive coordinator at Booker T, watching that offense with Treon Harris. It was one of the most dynamic high school offenses – I'd ever seen in 2013. They won the national championship, and and they had great players. But Booker T's not a huge school. It wasn't like Central. It was an all-star team. They had good players. Some guys going both ways, and really a dynamic offense that was ahead of the curve from other teams when he was there at Booker T at called plays. Yeah, yeah. Treon Harris, which is a coach's son at quarterback, and you're running an offense that so was probably more up to date than ours at Miami. Um, which it was it was probably five, six years ahead of pace, which Miami finally got into the, the century, uh, the 21st century of offense was Lashley, but they were even a decade ahead of us. Absolutely. And Miami Hurricane Hall of Famer, for those that don't know, he was a track athlete, 800-meter um, sprinter, one of, the, one of the better sprinters in the country while he was at Miami, four-time All-American. Uh, so you're on that 800 meters. You're somebody who's got some, some heart, and some determination, certainly. Uh, and he had that uh, while he was at Miami, creative writing major, English major. I always heard he was a really smart guy, kind of an intellectual type of guy on top of being a guy. Don't know how he didn't play football, you know, with all that IQ and football knowledge and that speed, um, but ended up being a coach. And someone who's known as, as, a, as a good recruiter, got a lot of relationships locally. You know, Miami's going running backs nationally, you will go after that Adrian Peterson type, just getting the best running backs down here. Every single year, there's an NFL back or two coming out of this area. You see Kenny McIntosh played in the college football playoff for Georgia. Now he's on his way to the pros. 
there's one of those guys every year or better. So a guy like Tim Harris with those local connections certainly uh, can help that local recruiting. So switching gears, Crib, the linebacker coach, Derek Nicholson, played for Florida State. I remember when he was a player, him and his brother, A.J. Nicholson, both had a cup of coffee in the NFL and were, were very good players for the Knowles from that Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, area where there's a lot of Canes fans. You see it every time Miami plays a road game in, in Carolina. I know it's an area they'd love to recruit more from. So that might be something Nicholson can bring to the table. Also a very good recruiter in Dade County. At Louisville last year, he took Stanquan Clark, who I know for a fact Miami wanted very badly. So this is a guy that can recruit. He's 36. He can relate to kids. He's not 62 like Charlie Strong. <laughs> He's a good coach. But, you know, I mean, it's a big difference um, in terms of not just relating to kids, but just overall energy. Chip on the shoulder, something to prove. You know, Charlie Strong's a household name. No one knows Derek Nicholson. He wants to change that with what he does in Miami. So what do you think about the, about the linebacker hire, Derek Nicholson? Well, both the hires is young up-and-comers, guys that are grinders, are known for being grinders. And if you're going to be with Mario and recruit with Mario, you have to be a grinder. You have to live it 247, coffee, uh, three in the morning, four in the morning. You have to grind the work for Mario. And I'm not sure that was going on the last go-round with the last staff, um, which had guys that were eligible for AARP on them. Um, guys that have been to the top of the, you know, the mountain, the pinnacle of coaching. And, you know, they've made their money and they've done their thing. And now it's time for some younger, up-and-comer, hungry guys that um, want to make a name for themselves, work their way up um, the coaching tree, and um, eventually be head coaches, defensive coordinators, which um, Nicholson has been a defensive coordinator. I know a co-defensive coordinator, and I believe that's this title at Miami, co-defensive coordinator as well. Yeah, you're talking about guys with titles, risers, and that youthful energy. Last year, you had guys steal Charlie Strong, who were unquestionably great coaches with experience, but didn't necessarily have that chip on their shoulder, that hunger that you see, that energy from a younger coach. Now, there's a balance. You don't just want to have a staff full of interns, guys that you promoted internally. Um, but these are guys that are risers from elsewhere that are being brought in with a lot to prove. So that is a nice combo of new faces. They're not familiarity hires. They're not guys that Mario just built from the ground up. They've been other places. They've seen other things, but they still have a lot to, to show. So it's a nice combo there, and I think it's what's needed after a staff with a little too much ego, maybe not enough energy in certain respects and not enough cohesiveness. Um, I asked for the staff to go younger. I think you may post to that effect as well on the boards, and this is what we're seeing, uh, a youth movement in terms of the position coaches on both sides of the ball. Obviously, wide receiver coach still has not been filled. It's going to be potentially filled in these next couple days. Still potentially some more movement on the staff. Anything you're looking for, it doesn't need to be a specific name, but anything you're looking for as the staff fills out? Well, well receiver coach, I, will, I mean, just to throw a name out there, Hankerson, um, Leonard Hankerson, if there's anybody that could be a coach and be a great coach is Leonard Hankerson. The guy was considered a bust, a bum. He couldn't catch anything at Miami. Then he went outside the program, got Mark Duper. And worked and worked and worked and ended up breaking records at Miami and being considered one of the best receivers ever at Miami. So somebody like that, younger, um, a technician with routes, um, been at the highest level, even though it's only for a cup of coffee in the NFL. He's been around elite um, coaches, Shanahan. I mean, he's worked, he's been involved with uh, um, Air Raid with, um, at um, Stephen F. Austin. So he's been around, even though it don't feel like it, he's actually been around coaching circles. Um, he's bounced around at UMass with Whipple. 
Um, the dudes did his time, even though it seems like he was just playing in the NFL. Um, somebody like that, um, I like to go the keep the uh, mantra of the younger, up-and-comer, hungry. Um, and he's a teacher, and that's what you need at receiver. Um, Recruiting is normally running back. Uh, but at receiver, I want a technician as somebody, you know, to show the proper footwork in and out of breaks, stemming routes, um, all the mechanical issues that come with a position. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the Mark Duper coaching. That was a major story. You read about those stories all the time where they get help, and it's just usually for fluff. That's one of the few times where they actually did get so much better overnight. <laughs> it, yeah. it actually worked out. He was catching the ball, had a great season. I thought he would have been a great pro if he had not gotten hurt. He was he had like 100-something yards against the Dolphins and tore his ACL that game. Never really yep. was the same after that. Uh, but a coaching riser, San Francisco 49ers, has no reason to leave unless he really wants to be here. So the fact that he interviewed, that's a very, very exciting name for the Miami Hurricanes, a wide receiver. Another name that people have talked about a lot, James Coley. I think me and you are hearing the same things, which is Coley wanted to be an offensive coordinator, wanted to be a play caller, had interest in that regard. But as a position coach, not necessarily looking to leave and, and that maybe not as likely as the, the Twitter buzz was a couple weeks ago. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, it was offensive corner. He went to call the plays, and that wasn't happening. We've already seen that experiment multiple times, end in failure, um, halfback passes in the snow, um, failed at Georgia, and that's hard to do. So, yeah, receiver coach, okay, tight end coach preferably if that was to happen, but he wanted to make one last run at calling plays, and I don't, I don't see him ever doing that again in college football. I just see him being the bag man he is and uh, do his recruiting thing. They were pretty explosive. They put up some numbers compared to what we saw last year, certainly. Now, I don't think anybody wants Coley to be the offensive coordinator or play caller. I know I know, I don't want that. I don't think you want that either. Uh, but he did – well, look back at the numbers. They, they were pretty explosive. I think a big reason why they were so explosive is that offensive line that he inherited, which were some of the big guys that Stoutland recruited and that Kehoe recruited in one of his better moments with sort of Isadora, uh, Eric Flowers, et cetera. So it shows you what a good offensive line can do. Combine a good offensive line – with an innovative play caller, which you hope Shannon Dawson is, Miami's offensive coordinator pickup from Houston. You get some interesting crib. I know you studied Houston. What are some of the things you've seen from Dawson that you'll like? Well, first of all, I keep hearing about air raid and um, passing the ball too much, and Mario's going to you know, have to reel him back in uh, to uh, running the ball more. But I have news for you. Dawson wants to run the ball. If you go back all the way Southern Miss 2016, 17, 18, he runs the ball. Even all the way back to Kentucky 2015, it was 35 rushes to 33 pass. Um, they ran for almost 2,000 yards. If you go 2016 SMU, 40, I mean um, Southern Miss, 42 rushes, 37 passes. You look at 2017 Southern Miss, 38 rush, 34 pass. So the trend continues every stop he makes until 2022, whenever he lost his uh, horse running back out in McCaskill. And then he went more pass game, throw the ball around. That was the one year the trend broke. And even then, he got creative with the running game. He used um, Clayton Toon, went from 100 carries the year before to almost 200. Uh, the next year, 500-plus rushing yards, five touchdowns. He went by committee. So he's not – He's not going to come in here and be how mummy circa 2000. This, this is going to be balanced. They're going to run the ball. And, yes, there's going to be space. And he's going to use some pace. And even that, 
he uses in moments. It's not an all-game deal. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see which direction he goes. Head coach wants to run the ball. Is he going to lean more on the experienced quarterback? Is he going to lean more on the running game? It, it should really depend on personnel, and you're hoping that the offensive line gives him that flexibility to do what he wants to do. On the defensive side, uh, Coach Guidry, we've broken him down on the podcast a bunch, but I know, again, he's someone that she looked at and talked to folks around her. You talk to coaches. You talk to people in the community. W- what are you feeling on, on Coach Guidry? I've been calling for innovation for years. Miami used to be about innovation. And the last 10, 15 years, it's gotten away from that. Well, we've got innovation now. This this guy attacks uh, spread offenses. The, the one gripe I've always had with defensive coordinators is um, the game is so predetermined, pre-snap with quarterbacks the last 15 years or so, that why don't you show more at the line of scrimmage? And he does that. He shows six-man fronts. He'll, he'll go six across the board on the line of scrimmage. Um, and then only send three. And then one play, he'll go six across, and he'll go six-man pressure. Um, you know, he'll be a zero man. So he's showing different looks before the ball is even snapped. So the quarterbacks are thinking. So they have to go into post-snap and actually go through reads. And he mixes up co- coverages, hybrid coverage. Um, hybrid coverage. Um, he, he runs cover six, cover four. And which cover six isn't nothing but half cover four, half cover two on each side of the field. So if you mix in a pre-snap, what he's doing on the lines and, and with with the um, uh, pressure looks and then dropping out and then mixing what he's doing with the uh, coverages in the secondary, there's going to be a lot of confusion and there's going to be plays to be had, um, especially with the, the transfers. These guys are like prototypical type guys for his system, a little undersized, a little quicker. Um, then, then girth, then power, but uh, there's all kinds of twists, all kinds of stunts, and there's all kinds of pressure. Um, everybody hears chaos, but this is chaos, but it's controlled chaos the way I see it. Yeah, excited to see that defense in spring. Spring's coming up. We'll be breaking it down a ton, but we all have things that we're looking for in spring. L- little things like, for me, backup center. Who's the backup center going to be behind Matt Lee? Uh, big things like the wide receiver position, the linebacker position. How are the young guys going to look there? Who's going to step up and take that spot? What are some things that you're looking at in spring practice coming up next week? I'm looking at the early enrollees come in at positions we need instant help. You know, obviously O-line, receiver. Um, so Okalolo, uh, Maui Yoga, um, Ray Ray Joseph, all of those areas – and even on the D lines, you know, because you can never not have enough defensive linemen. Um, Jaden, Jaden Wayne, a, a lot of the areas we need help at. Um, Trip, Antonio Trip, these guys need to come in and hopefully be prepared to take snaps or if start um, for Okololo or Maui Oga, that would that would be perfect. Ben's, I'm not sure I trust the guys we have from last year, and I want to see guys take the next step. I always look to the guys that you know, flashed a little bit last year, like Kelly, um, Anas Cooper, Colby Young, Besaint. Um, see those guys take the next step, go from being a role player and maybe more of an impact player. I want to see Leonard Taylor. Is he going to take the next step, um, to become a superstar in college football, not a guy that just has one flash play here and one flash play there and then disappears. Um, that's what I look for. I want to see guys taking the next step. Um, Isaiah Horton, I hear a lot of good things about him. He's one person I really want to watch because the guy's got size and he's a little faster than what you think. And 
from what I've been hearing, he's been impressing uh, as a player of workouts. It's going to be interesting. Some guys are going to be hurt. Corey Flagg, Akeem Mesador, two guys banged up. Might not see too much of him in the spring. I know Taylor and, and James Williams had shoulder f- situations that they've been managing. So big opportunity for guys to show what they can do. The guy like Bobby Washington, the linebacker from from Killian yeah. Palmetto, uh, he they they did the GPS numbers. And he was one of the fastest guys on the team in terms of GPS. I think he's a legit four four guy at six three two hundred plus. So he's someone to watch at linebacker. You want to see how his instincts play. We know he can run, and we know he likes to strike. A Malik Bryant, how does he handle that transition from edge rusher full time to sort of that hybrid where he's a linebacker, maybe rushing on third downs? Can he do his thing? I heard he looked good in workouts. Those are going to be very interesting positions given injuries, again, to a guy like Corey, which allows these for Chase Smith, who's out for the spring, allows guys like Malik Bryant, guys like Bobby Washington, uh, extra reps to do what they want to do. Anything, and anything, the- anything else you're looking at spring? Go ahead. With our safety depth, I would keep an eye on Caleb Spencer. I mean, he's coming in physically ready to play, 6'2 and a half, 210. Big kid that can move, um, and there's no depth. We have no safeties. I think we're like three or four deep there. Um, there's opportunities for some of these younger guys to come in and um, contribute really early. Um, Bobby Washington's one I, I have written down, too, that, uh, I mean, he has the length, the size. You come in early, you can get the strength and conditioning, the nutrition, and you can put on that weight. We could have a guy 6'3", 225 um, by game one, and he could be in the rotation or, you know, special teams. Uh, there's opportunities to be had because we don't have – we're lacking talent, and th- there's quite an influx of talents in this class. So there's opportunities for these guys. Yeah, Caleb Spencer, glad you mentioned that name. He's someone from the middle, mid-Atlantic area that maybe a guy like Derek Nicholson will help penetrate in the future. But mine was happy to get out of Virginia – plays multiple positions, safety, linebacker. He played offense, played a little bit of running back, return kicks. You like that profile of being a football player who does multiple things. I heard he was a little behind just physically when he came in, not because of any bad reason. He was just he was hurt as a senior, missed the second half of his senior year. So he's a little behind in terms of some strength and conditioning things. But you're going to see him continue to come on, and he's the type of guy you know, when the pads come and people are playing football and not just working out or rehabbing or what it is. That's when you're going to see the best out of him. So excited to see what Caleb Spencer could do with safety. Uh, you know, Brian Balaam, he was convinced not to jump in the portal because Miami needed bodies there. Is he going to be someone that could be in the rotation? Markeith Williams. A couple uh, episodes ago, I mentioned Markeith Williams. Yeah. Guys that Miami's really, really keeping a close eye on, see if he can be a dude, see if he can be a real impact player. Really talented guy out of Orlando, but can he be mature? and consistent and the same guy every day the way the coaches want to see it. It's a cliche, but from a coaching standpoint, you know, they're looking for that. Chris Graves out of, out of Southwest Florida, another one at corner. Can his talent, which like Markeith is above the other guys in his class, match what he's doing day in, day out because he's big, he's physical, he's fast, and he has ball skills. He has everything you need, but he's got to put it together. One more I have for you is Don Chaney. This is the first time in his entire college career that he's came into spring practice with an actual off season of um, working out and preparing for the spring. So this is his first go round, which is kind of scary. And this is, I believe his fourth year on campus. He's, he came in injured, had multiple freak injuries. This is his money year. This is his year. He's got to go make money. And he has the carries to be had because citizen, we don't know. 
you know, he's coming off a major injury. Um, we have young guys. Um, Johnson's not physically ready. Um, Fletcher, he's the one that could, could throw a wrench in everything. But this is Don's money-making year. Chaney went to Blend, so every year for him is a money-making year. The guy's going to be making money no matter what. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of the football field, no question about it. And it reminds me of last year you had a lot of injuries to the running backs throughout the season, but particularly in spring, you only had Parrish and Thad Franklin. Thad had a major opportunity. I thought he was a lot of shape. He did some good things, but you saw a couple plays. I can think back to the spring game. There was a stretch run. He just couldn't make. He just couldn't get to the corner because he was too slow, overweight. And you saw that. And you said, ah, "I don't think he's going to be it." You know, as a Miami running back, Cheney has that same opportunity with the with Citizen out. You don't have Chris Johnson there. You don't have Mark Fletcher there, who I think is going to figure in a major way into that rotation. You have Parrish, but you know, you know what he can do. Can Chaney seize this opportunity to be the guy and to take those reps, show he can be healthy, show he can be explosive, and show the things he can do? Because I know you've posted about it, and I can confirm because I saw those practices. Before he got hurt, he was really, really looking good the first time. Um, you know, he was really looking like he was going to emerge. And then even at, coming back from the injury, you saw some flashes before he hurt his hip. But really, the year he got hurt, that was looking like it was going to be his year and he was going to take over and unfortunately got hurt the second game. But it's in his body. You see a Nick Chubb, one of the nastiest injuries i ever seen at running back, be one of the top running backs in the NFL. Donovan Cook popped his ACL. So there's guys that have been injured, overcome it. They still have that fast switch muscle in their body, still the same size. Hopefully – Don can can give you something because I know you know you know he's a great kid and has been working hard for this opportunity and that'll be something that comes in spring. Yeah, he, he's a perfect match of speed and power, and he has agility. He has everything you want in a running back. Prototypical size is just injuries, man. He's been snake bitten, and I'm his biggest fan. I hate I hate to see it because every time you start getting excited, you're like, yeah, here we go. And then like last year, it was a freak run. What he wasn't even a full tackle. It, it was just a a thud. It's, it's just freaky stuff happens, and you can't explain it. One guy that showed something on the field, but I'm still intrigued to see what he does in this offense with a year under his belt is Colby Young. Colby Young came in late from JUCO, didn't really have the summer to work out, emerged during the season. You, he looked faster than he did at camp during the season. I don't know if it was just losing weight or just better condition or just getting more speed of the game and playing faster. Now – he has confidence from having made plays on the field, has the whole offseason to work out. And you're reading about him being the fastest receiver on the team in terms of the GPS. Now, the GPS is not perfect, but I know NFL teams use that GPS testing themselves all the time. It's a real thing that they use in the draft as we get ready for the NFL draft here. So the fact that Colby Young was a big physical receiver who high points the ball, that's his game, 50-50 balls, big, big body guy is also your fastest receiver on the GPS. That tells me he's having a good offseason. That tells me he's you know, shaving that some weight, and he might be better athlete, more explosive than people give him credit for. Put all that together, new offense, TBD, that can be an exciting guy at a position where Miami desperately needs a go-to guy. Actually, had him down. I had him written down first on my list of guys I would want to watch in the spring, and it was Colby Young. 
Um, but I also had Matthew McCoy as another guy that you heard about flashes at practice and you didn't really see it on the film. I believe he got um, banged up a little bit, but he's another guy. And my guy, Cleo Brantley, I'm the leader of the, the fan club, me and go-getter, of course. But I, I, I was calling for him all year to get playing time. Do 6'2", 225, 230. We've seen what he does blocking, but there's so much more there that's been untapped. And he wasn't getting an opportunity to show what he can do. The, the guy can run after catch. He can block. He can catch. He can do everything. He's more than just coming across on wham blocks every single play over and over and over. Yeah, I love Khalil. Great kid. Good player as well. Somebody who you mentioned the wham blocks. He can block. He can do that. But, yeah, he has more. He's a receiver in high school, has that ability, has some speed. Some go 70 yards against IMG. He's faster than people think. He was wide open a couple of times where Jake Garcia threw it at his shoelaces, and he was able to come down with it. Uh, but he's somebody that is a, a team guy, a, a winner, and someone you, you want. And you mentioned Matthew McCoy, somebody who grew out of the tight end position, kind of like Zion Nelson. Utah offensive line, raw. Manny and, and Garrett Justice offered him. When the new crew came in, they looked at the board and they said, we like this guy. This guy was a good eval. We're going to stay on him. Ended up signing him. And when I talk to people around there and I'm saying, you know, I'm asking about, like, who are the next guys? Who are the guys you're really excited about? They'll list the names you expect. The Wesley Bassain, the Nez Cooper, the Nigel Lee Kelly. But they always make a point to say, Matthew McCoy is a real player, and he's going to be in the mix. He's going to be competing with the Francis's and the Sampson's. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt last year, like you said, he would have played last year as a true freshman. No question about that. So somebody with the athleticism, the size, apparently he's taking coaching well because the coaches like him a lot. That's going to be a very big leg up on offensive line recruiting if you hit on an S. Cooper and McCoy in that transition class. We know that they got an S. Cooper right before the shot clock ended, right before signing day, and the guy ended up being a very talented player, potential building block. If Matthew Cooper's another one of those, that's two impact offensive linemen that Cristobal and Mirabal signed in a rush when they arrived here uh, really right, right before the early signing day. So excited to see those guys as well. Anything else you're, you're looking forward to in spring? Um, not spring, but recruiting-wise, I would say I want everybody to pay attention to recruiting at the receiver position going forward with this offense and the philosophy. Um, you're going to see a big difference. I, I would probably predict you'll see a minimum of one high school stud jumping in before we even play one snap. And, you know, we'll probably get one or two JUCOs. So watch, watch recruiting and how kids will flock to this offense just at – the thought of what it could be and looking at Dawson's, you know, pass at Houston, um, you're going to see the difference it makes. Kids want to eat, and this offense, they will be able to eat. And if you don't believe me, go look at the stats at Houston's receivers the last two years from top to bottom. Well, tell me about him. We know Tank Dell put up enormous numbers. You could always tell the recruits, hey, you're going to be the next Tank Dell. You'll have six tank, next tank Dells on, uh, on the roster, but it's not just a one man show, right? He got 109 receptions for tank 1398. Then the second guy, 41, 471, four touchdowns. The third guy, 38, 601, five touchdowns. The fourth guy, 38 catches, seven touchdowns. The fifth guy, uh, 23 catches, three touchdowns. That's not even including the running backs who get 20 catches. He got multiple guys, I believe with 20 catches and the year before it's the same thing. Um, only thing that happened was Dale just went from crazy to the stupid mode. He, he went from 90 catches to 109 for 1398. But 
if you want to get catches, you don't have to worry about getting one or two opportunities like you did last year. And this offense, there's no reason why a South Florida receiver wouldn't want to play in it. You're going to eat. You're going to get catches. And there's no need to worry about, um, you know, getting one reception, two receptions. There's only four receivers on the field most times. And, on the, and by the stat sheet, there's a lot of different guys eating. Well, Crib, always appreciate your insight. Go to canesinsight.com forums to see some of the crystal balls, some of the smoke, some of the eyeball emojis, some of the clues. you got to pick up the clues. You don't make it easy for everybody, but if you know what you're looking for, you're going you're gonna to find some input before you see it anywhere else. Ask about them. Cribby, Kane's Insight. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. We got to do a WrestleMania podcast, too. That's the next one because it's, it's starting the road to WrestleMania, so we gotta we got to cut one of those, bring on Liberty City L or something. <laughs> you might want to bring him on. I don't watch wrestling no more. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll ignore that comment. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I watch highlights. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, listen, see you around. Excited for spring. Go Canes. Yes, sir. If you want to look good when you show up to the light, Go to Caneswear.com or Caneswear Brick and Mortar Store in Davie. They got all kinds of Canes baseball gear. Honestly, it's probably their best collection of gear is the Canes baseball stuff. They got multiple jerseys, all kinds of designs with the old English logo. They got a Miami Maniac cap, all sorts of different apparel between caps, jerseys, T-shirts, you name it, decals. Uh, with the old English logo, they got it at Caneswear. So load up. Season's just starting. You know, you're going to be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, any three different outfits. Go to Caneswear.com or go to the store down in Davie, the spot where Miami fans shop. All right, we got a short edition of the bank called the ATM, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Promo code CIS, get $100 free to play. Pickums. Daily Fantasy, promo code CIS, $100 right away. Want to just go through some names that are coming in next weekend's junior day for Miami. These are some names that Miami really likes. Doesn't mean the names I, that are going that I don't mention Miami doesn't really like, but these are names that I know that Miami's hot on, and they're going to push hard with these guys on campus. So keep an eye on these recruits who are taking their own time and money to come to Miami for junior day. Elijah Rushing. Defensive end, five-star out of Tucson, Arizona, the home of the great Linda Ronstad. Everybody wants him. Miami wants him bad. He's on campus. David Stone, defensive tackle, IMG, originally from Oklahoma City, another five-star on campus. Miami, everybody wants him. Uh, Aaron Nolan, you heard about him, the quarterback from Atlanta, set all kinds of records. Blue-chip quarterback, he's number 11 in the country and moving up. Plays on the South Florida High School Express, has been down here a ton. Watch for him to be a potential Quarterback in this class, Miami likes him a lot, and he is showing reciprocal interest. Chance Robinson, four-star out of St. Thomas Aquinas, wide receiver. We hear a lot about Jeremiah Smith, Joe. Chance Robinson is a major priority, along with those guys locally. They'd love to land all three, but certainly don't want to let Chance Robinson go, his size, his craft, his ability. Aiden Breland, defense alignment out of Matter Day in California, four-star. Guy's making the trip all the way from California to Miami for junior day, so you know he has interest. Cristobal's had success on the West Coast. This is a big defense alignment they really like. Remember, that's a priority position for Miami in this class. Uh, Daniel Cruz, someone I mentioned on a prior episode of the bank, is somebody who's underrated. Now you're seeing him rise in the rankings. Low four-star from small town in Texas, Richland. Uh, 
interior guy, somebody that Miami likes a lot. It's coming down to visit. Never count Miami out with an offensive lineman. Now some of the lower-ranked guys that Miami really likes that will be on campus. Kendall Jackson, three-star to Gainesville Buckholz. Obviously, Gainesville, you think the Gators, but that's not a guarantee lately. And Miami's put a lot of effort into Kendall Jackson, a long and talented defense alignment. Juan Minaya, a no-star prospect out of Paramus in New Jersey, got big-time size, big-time frame. They're going to want a size of him in person, but they like what they see. You saw him take uh, Frankie Tindalau last year when he was a no-star, ended up being a highly recruited player. Khalil Cummins, a safety out of Stark, Florida. Somebody I mentioned last time on the bank is somebody that Miami really liked. FSU likes him too. That's going to be a battle, but he'll be at junior day. Dalen Russell, defensive lineman out of Miami Columbus. Unrated, but somebody Miami likes. Miami Columbus, obviously, uh, the high school of Alonzo Highsmith, Alex Maribal, and Mario Cristobal himself. They like Dalen Russell and what he brings to the table as a versatile defensive lineman. Finally, Chris Wheatley Humphrey, the unranked running back out of Dillard. We talked about him uh, originally from South Plantation. 16 yards a carry at, as a junior. Big-time speed. Love what he brings to the table. He's someone that Miami identified as a big-time local back. So those are some names to watch. There'll be other names on campus. There'll be other names emerging. But those are guys Miami really, really likes and is going to take their best shot at next weekend. This has been The Bank and the Canes Inside Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We're everywhere. CanesInsight.com, the busiest forum, 6 million posts and counting. You know where to find the latest as we get to spring football. I'll be breaking down practices like always and get you the exclusive info that you will not find anywhere else on what's actually happening in spring. You know where to go, canesinsight.com. 